Hey everyone, this is Mike Dunn, and you are listening to Rethinking EDU. I'm super pumped, as usual, to have our guest this evening, Mr. Chris Nessie. We're going to introduce him in just a quick minute. But as usual, I'm joined with my illustrious co-hosts, Matt, Julie, and Janine. Matt, how are you doing this fine evening? Yeah, I'm doing well. Glad to be here with you guys talking about uh, different things in education, rethinking. So yeah, I'm excited and, and doing well. Cool, cool. Janine, what about you? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing fabulous. I'm loving life because I, I just arrived at the beach. Um, and yeah, it doesn't get better than that. So I have no complaints. That's awesome. Julie, what about you? Doing just fine. I had graduation ceremony last night, so that was wonderful. Oh, that's so nice. Um, and you guys, uh, you and Janine, middle school folks, so graduating some eighth graders that uh, are off to the, uh, uh, you know, uh, 9 through 12 world. That's got to be a little bittersweet, yeah? Yeah, it's tough to say goodbye to them. Uh, we're a K-8 to school, so it's been a long journey with all of them. But, um, you know, happy they're, they're ready to go. Uh, who knows what's uh, in store for them in the fall, but... Um, after what they've just been through, I'm sure they'll be ready for anything. And actually, with the, we, we had um, one of the things we did for them was uh, we did this time capsule activity. So they all came with an item to put into the, the time capsule. So it'll be really cool, you know, in like 20 years or so. We open it up and we'll <laughs> reminisce about this time. Oh, my gosh. I can only imagine. What are, uh, did you get to see what they um, put into the time capsule or no? We, we did peek, Julie and I peeked. <laughs> don't, don't, don't tell our students that we, okay. we looked. And it, it's awesome. It's some really good, really good stuff. I'm not going to say what it is, but they, they really were thoughtful about it. That's super cool. That's super cool. Well, so as I said before, we're here with Chris Nessie tonight. Chris, how are you feeling this fine evening? I am doing awesome. It's a, a beautiful night here in New Jersey, and, you know, life is life, I guess. You know, got to make the best of this. Fair enough. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. Um, and as a New Jersey person and as, as four Philadelphia people, I think it's only proper to lead this podcast off with the question that is on all of our minds and all of our listeners' minds, right? Where do you get the best cheesesteak? So <laughs> who's got opinions on this? Matt, you live in West Philly. You got a favorite spot? Yeah, I do. This is a tough one. Uh, I'm going to go with John's Roast Pork on Delaware Ave uh, for their cheesesteak and their uh, roast pork uh, sandwich. Okay, okay. John's doesn't do the roast pork with broccoli, Rob, do they? Oh, they do. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's yeah, delicious. Wonderful. Okay. <laughs> All right. Janine, what about you? What do you think? I don't know. I don't think I'm a good person. I, you know, I'm, I'm more like <laughs> suburbs of Philly. So, you know, I'd, ha uh, I'd have to give a shout out to my, uh, my Percocet pizza place because they, they do some phenomenal. Actually, and the, the country place in Percocet. If you're going to the country place, you can get two dollar cheesesteaks there. It's like what? two, I think like two dollars fifty cents, and they're they're actually really good. <laughs> I have to say, it. <laughs> I don't know about that. Julie, do you have a favorite cheesesteak pl place? local too i'll say stove and tap in lansdale okay. it's a bar it's all right chris what about as a as a new jersey guy what about you uh, i i do enjoy the uh the pats and the genos you know because i i'll, I'll okay. take people there okay. when i when i mosey through you know broad street and whatnot um but i, I i'm partial to tony luke's ah yeah okay okay there you go yeah um well i've got to go with where president obama went delisandro's which is also right here in my neighborhood in oh. Northwest Philly. Oh. 
But if I'm not here um, at Dallas, or if I'm not at Delisandro's, I'm actually going to go to this little hole in the wall place and try their vegan cheesesteak. Which includes All right, a vegan... no, stop, stop. I don't hear about vegan <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, this is your podcast, but I'm not going there. No. It is delicious. So that place is called Sorrentino's. It's got like a vegan cheese sauce and some vegan tempeh strips. You can't go wrong. I, I actually think that they probably use like, you know, full butter to cook everything in, but it does, <laughs> it is otherwise delicious. Yeah, that's how okay, Julie that's cooks. Right yeah. up my alley. That's right That's well, so yeah. <laughs> Chris, um, as I mentioned before, you're a New Jersey-based educator. You're a uh, host of a couple of podcasts. One of them is called The House of Hashtag EdTech. I don't know if I'm supposed to say the hashtag if I just dated myself, but whatever. Um, and the, ho- the co-host of Podcast PD, and you are also the founder of the Education Podcast Network. And we are in our series on networks right now. And that's why we asked you to join us. And we're so grateful that you did. Um, we wanted to talk a little bit about the power of the podcast. We'll see how grateful and, you are um, when we're done. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm confident it'll be great. I have no, no doubt. But I, I wanted to kind of dive in and, and hear a little bit more about your podcasts and talk about the value of the podcast, right? Particularly in a time... Right now, where you know, if I go out and walk my dog, I'm popping on a podcast, so I'm getting away from a screen, but I'm still enjoying, you know, um, some valuable content. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Tell tell us a little bit more about House of EdTech and Podcast PD. So, House of EdTech is a podcast that I have been doing since January of 2014, and like like all whoa okay. <laughs> Like like all good men, I, I have a good woman, you know, kicking my butt behind the scenes. And in the fall of 2013, uh, my wife said, and mind you, she's a high school librarian. She said, I am tired of listening to you talk about all this education technology stuff. You should start a podcast and then I don't have to hear it. So I said, I guess so. She goes, you love all this stuff. I'll figure it out. Nice. She goes, I'm sure there are podcasts about podcasting and tutorials and all this stuff. So I spent the fall of 2013 learning and teaching myself how to podcast. And on January 4th, 2014, the house of ed tech was born. And here in 2020, we are getting ready to, you know, finish year seven at the end of the year. And I I love this medium. I love this way of communicating and sharing my ideas. And, you know, in addition to my wife kind of telling me basically to shut up, she, she gave me a voice and, I had also gotten to a point. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I had gotten to a point with Twitter, you know, being a connected educator since 2009, and I got tired of retweeting other people's stuff and reading other people's mm-hmm. blog posts, mm-hmm. and I just started to feel like I have something to say, literally, and I have a point of view and a perspective, and I want to put it out there. And you know, my podcast was born, and you know, you know, here we are. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's amazing. That is a long time to be holding down a podcast, and yet it didn't hold you back from co-hosting Podcast PD. Tell us more about that. Well, before I talk about Podcast PD, when I started House of EdTech, I started one podcast every two weeks because that's what I felt my life could allow me to do. Married at that point, I had one young child. I, I now have two, and I have two because I don't want three. Um, (laughs) right. (laughs) Uh, so I fit the podcast into my life that way, you know, teaching, you know, full time and, 
you know, I, I enjoyed education technology and I felt that doing it every two weeks would give me something to say and not be under the gun and having the crunch of trying to find material because I wanted to produce something that was quality, which since I'm, I'm the day I'm born, I want to produce something worthwhile. So sure. I, I did one podcast because that's what I felt my life would allow me to do. And then slowly, you know, podcasting is kind of like, uh, I don't know what your audience is, so I can go with one of two analogies. I can say podcasting is like Pringles, or I can say podcasting is like cocaine. You decide. <laughs> I don't know who our audience Let's is either, but I think both might be applicable. <laughs> I'll go with, uh, we'll go with the Pringles. You know, once you pop, you just can't stop. So sure. I knew that I wanted to do more and I didn't know what another podcast would be about, but my friends, Stacy Lindis and AJ Bianco, mostly Stacy Lindis, she wrote a blog post about hashtag podcast PD. And, you know, she was instrumental in putting that hashtag out there. And, you know, we would, the three of us, when we started, we hosted a Sunday night Twitter chat and me being the pusher. And that's, you know, my, my, my MO, I'm a pusher. Um, I would tell them, you know, what if we like made this a podcast or we recorded it? And back in 2014, 2015, there was a website called Blab, blab.im, R-I-P Blab, that allowed you to get online up to four people, do like a live video show and people could quote unquote call in. There was a chat room and it was cool. super popular. People were actually quote unquote Blab famous. Huh. I don't know where they are now because the platform is dead. Right, right, right. Twitch famous, but I in, think, right? <laughs> yes, although I think Twitch will be around a lot longer. <laughs> yeah, probably. Yeah, yeah. So we're occasionally, now we're doing the Twitter chat and we're live streaming. And then in the weeks where we wouldn't do the Twitter chat or live stream, we would pre-record something and just kind of put it out there just to distribute it. And then I finally got them to say, all right, let's just turn the damn thing into a full-fledged podcast. So since 2015, we've been doing podcast PD the last three years steadily every two weeks. Uh, now that we're in you know the quarantine time timeline and lifestyle, we've been doing it every week since March. So we're recording mm -hmm. live on Sundays and distributing it as a podcast. And the point of that show is to provide anytime, anywhere professional development. Uh, and, and we promote that show as it might be like the conversations you have in a faculty meeting or during a PD day but you'll have more fun listening to the three of us have a conversation, either just us or with our guests. So it's really just the three of us because we're friends. We've never worked together, all that, all those things, but we like talking to each other and we've had conversations for years on Voxer. So we just decided let's share these conversations with the world. Yeah, that's super relatable to, I think, a little bit about our existence here in this medium. Um, and you touched on this a little bit earlier, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. I know I've got some of my own thoughts, uh, but I want, if you could, try to capture your understanding of the power of the podcast itself. What are your thoughts about that? I, again, super powerful because, you know, there's like, probably at this point, over a billion cell phones in the world. And that is the primary device sure. that people will consume podcast content on. And the podcast listening experience is super intimate. You know, we can watch YouTube videos, we can read blogs, but if you're reading a blog, that's all you can do is sit and read that blog. 
if you want to consume YouTube content, you have to consume YouTube content. You've got to give your attention to the video you're watching. You want to listen to a podcast? Well, by golly, you could do that anywhere you want. You can do it while you're mowing the lawn. You can do it while you're washing your car. You can do it while you're riding your bike. You can do it on your commute to and from work. You can listen to them in the faculty room. You can, you can listen anywhere and still be doing something else and be productive in other ways. And the relationship that you can develop as a podcast listener with the content you consume, again, it's intimate. It's, it's you and just whoever you're listening to. So again, it, it, it's, it's intimate, it's powerful because you build this relationship with the people you're listening to. You know, over the last almost seven years, I've built up an audience. I've built up more of what I call a community. Yeah, and I and I think what you're saying right now is particularly true for our current time. You even just hinted that, um, or or rather, you even just stated that you guys increased your podcast content to once a week from once every other week because we have more time at home. We have more time, um, you know, out of the workplace, maybe away from our commute to potentially consume a little bit more podcast content. And there's a lot of things to talk about right now, right? Lots of education-related things, certainly, and lots of things related to what else is happening in the world. Um, I find the podcast uh, similar to you as a medium. I find it to be really intimate. I find myself really gravitating toward the uh, individuals on the pod and their personalities, their points of view on things, their... um, the, the way that they share what they want to share and the way that uh, a lot of podcasters out there are really trying to bring their point of view in a meaningful way to their audience. They're thoughtful about what they're um, talking about. And I know my fellow co-hosts and I spend a lot of time talking about who are we trying to bring on to our show? Who are we trying to sh- share voice with to the rest of the world because it truly is an amplification tool you know in the in we're only about what 10 episodes into our podcast but already i feel like uh we're giving space to certain voices that we think are truly valuable and i think that goes a really long way it does and and, i mean even my show you know i've produced a hundred and you know, 57 episodes of the podcast. And I apologize for the first 156, you know, because <laughs> I'm always learning, you know, whether it's different things about producing my content, editing the audio, you know, refining my skills and, you know, whether it's actual like mic technique or the gear or the tips and the tricks that I learn along the way, you know, and especially with a podcast like mine, where I can talk about technology and talk about how I use it. You know, I love when I present on podcasting, and people say, oh, I'm afraid to start. And I just say, go back and listen to my first episode, which is still out there. You know, you can go listen, you can right. go to chrisnessy.com slash one and listen to that 18 minute piece of garbage. <laughs> but it, it, it's out there. And then you, then I say, then listen to the latest one and you see growth by leaps and bounds. Um, but you feel again, a sense of intimacy, but as a content creator, we're trying, you know, me and, and all of you, we're trying to get people to know us, like us, and trust us. And through our content, we want to inspire people to either think something, do something, feel something. And I think that's just me trying to put the cherry on how powerful is this platform. Chris, that's that's great. Can you talk a little bit more about the importance of having 
a growth mindset as, as far as, you know, creating a podcast, because like you said, it can be intimidating. You know, you lead PDs for, for people and they're intimidated, sort of stepping in to create this uh, podcast. And can you just talk a little bit more about the importance of having a growth mindset within the podcast creation process? I mean, if, if you're not trying, you're dying, I guess. So you need to have a growth <laughs> mindset and be open to new ways of doing things. You know, before we hit record tonight, you know, you asked me if I have experience with Discord, which is what we're using to record this content. I've never recorded a podcast via Discord, so I, I am learning here on the fly. So I'm always open to, to new experiences. And people need, especially in today's world, you need to be open to other points of view, other perspectives, especially if you want to then put yours out there. You have to be open-minded and willing to listen. And I think that's part of being a good content creator, especially in this, you know, what, when you're interviewing people or if you're just having a conversation with co-hosts, you have to be willing to listen and consider other points of view and then add your own out there. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And, and so you have your, your two podcasts that you create and the one that you co-host, um, but you also have this education podcast network, um, which is a bit different. Um, can you, can you talk about that for a bit? Um, tell us what it is. Um, how'd you go about forming it and so forth? So the education podcast network podcast for educators podcast by educators. There you got the official jingle. <laughs> <laughs> I, in 2015, I was again at that point where I knew I had other things I wanted to say, and I was a super huge fan of podcasting and I was consuming other education themed podcasts and I wanted to not do it alone. So I wanted to build a community. So when I launched the network, it was me reaching out to other educators in the classroom, doing what I was doing, creating their podcast. And I built it as community. And the byproduct of that was, it was not just me promoting my podcast, you know, me being a one man band, the little podcast that could, but I was now connected with, I think at the time, 10 or 11 other ones that they were also one man bands being the producer, the writer, the director, you know, everything. And now we had a way to help each other grow and provide an opportunity where that rising tide lifted all of our boats. So I built it as a way to talk with other people who would be experiencing the same things I was experiencing as a content creator, but also with the perspective of you're also a teacher. And you know what it's like to balance all these things and recording and the software. So it was a way to help each other behind the scenes and also help to promote our content to other audiences that might be interested in consuming our individual content. Great. Let's say there's a, a podcast uh, like ours. Uh, how, how would they go about joining uh, this network? And then as a follow-up, how, how has the network been helpful um, you know, for people um for you um and the other members uh, moving forward well if there are other educators who are podcasters and they want to apply if you go to edupodcastnetwork.com uh in the menu there is a button that says join the network or apply i actually don't know what it says off the top of my head um but it, it's pretty clear there's very few options on the site and there's a google form you fill out uh, i am the sole arbiter of who gets on and who doesn't um so I review every podcast that comes on by listening to a sample of episodes, 
uh, and there are some questions on a Google form and, you know, we just go from there. Uh, one of the minimums is to have at least four episodes. So for somebody who's like, oh, I want to start my podcast and get on the network. Sorry, I'm going to say no. Um, and in the questioning, when people fill out the form and they just want to expand their audience and basically use my group to benefit themselves, that's also typically a no. So if that's somebody's mindset, don't bother applying. I'm just going to be blunt. Um, <laughs> that That's as simple as I could put it. So you're really trying to build this community where, where people are helping each other out um, within this network. Yeah. It, it's about community and it's about promoting the voices. Mm. And and how, how has this been helpful? I don't have any data. I'm not, I'm not a quantitative guy. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm a former math major. There's a reason I teach social studies. <laughs> um, so, so it's nothing I can quantify, but the fact that there are now, you know, tw- there, we have 22 podcasts on the network. There are more than 22 hosts because some of them have multiple co-hosts, but I have upwards of 30 people that I can reach out to via email, via Voxer. Um, and it, if I've got a question or they've got questions, we've, we've got a nice group that's always willing to help each other. You know, we, we have a nice, easy way to find guests if we're looking to talk about a certain topic that, you know, we like the CW, we'll do crossover episodes. <laughs> um, so I'm also a big comic book DC guy. Um, but but that's that's the biggest benefit, you know, is being able to reach out, talk to these other people. And, you know, the, the promotion piece is also big because any one of our shows is going to be on another podcast with, you know, a promotional piece of audio. And it's the opportunity to grow your audience and expand your influence in sharing what you're passionate about as a podcaster. Speaking of your audience, Chris, I'm wondering, uh, so, um, Julie and I are involved with the local university with their teacher prep program. I'm wondering if like some pre-teacher, pre-service teachers, um, you know, would be, it would be beneficial for them to really check out this network and, and see, you know, what you have to offer there. Um, is there any, have you found any podcasts that are geared toward towards pre-service teachers? Heck yeah. So the, there are two <laughs> podcasts on there because again, I, I try to provide diverse content. So the two podcasts that are available that are affiliated with the network, one is EduMagic, a podcast for pre-service teachers, and that's hosted by Dr. Sam Fesich. And the other one is called Teachers Need Teachers, and that's hosted by Kim LaPree. So those are two podcasts that are geared towards new teachers, uh, Sam's Edu Magic is really geared towards the pre-service teacher. So a lot of her content, you know, she's got interview tips and uh, what to do, like first year type content as, as a brand new educator or new to the education profession. Uh, and, and Kim is creating content that will hit on those and, you know, some other topics related to the beginning of your teaching career. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think that it's really important that we're able to share that out with with our students. Um you know, they need all the little tidbits and tips that they can get. <laughs> so that's, that's super helpful. I'm also wondering, um, I know you've talked in some of your other podcasts about, you know, these, the skills that teachers really need. Um, you know, we always talk about like the 21st century skills that students need, but you know, like what are the, what are the skills that our future teachers are really going to need in order to become, you know, awesome teachers and professionals in the field here? I'm wondering what your thoughts are on that. Don't be afraid to fail try, try, try. I mean, you've got that safety net, so to speak, you know, think of it like being a a trapeze artist, 
you've got this thing that can protect you. You're new. You're a novice. Um, people will underestimate you. Uh, try as many things as possible. Experiment with education technology. Uh, try different teaching strategies. You know, consume as much content as you can. Now, me answering that question is a bit unfair because I hold education up on a very high pedestal, uh, probably as much as many other people. But in my own mind, I feel like I hold it in very high regard. So I, I look for people to be all in when they decide I want to be a teacher, you know, so. Absolutely. I'm pretty judgy. <laughs> <laughs> I think you kind of got to be. Uh, yeah, you'll never survive if you're you're only coming in like, you know, halfway. <laughs> Can you imagine the first five years? teaching is a halfway in teacher yeah you'll never make it no way yeah you, you just can't i mean for, for the first time in my career i had a student teacher last school year in the fall semester and we had one conversation in august where i basically i want to say read him the riot act but i laid it out what my expectations were and not only did he meet my expectations he he soared past them and i knew he would after that first conversation because he said, oh, you know, I have this timeline from my university, you know, which says, you know, this is when I'm supposed to do certain things. I said, oh, let me see that calendar. He's like, here it is. And I crumpled it up and I threw it in the garbage. He's like, what'd you do that for? I said, well, you're going to be here on the first day and you're going to work on the first day. And he was like, okay, let's do this. And he was a part of our classroom climate and culture from day one. I, my approach was we never told the students he was a student teacher the whole semester until it got to be December. Oh, <laughs> and we were like, yeah, uh, Mr. Wiley, he's, he's leaving. Today's his last day. They're like, what? And we were like, yeah, he's a student teacher. They're like, what? So he, <laughs> he, and my mentality with that was once you're in the classroom, any experience you have, treat it like it's a student teaching is a 16, 15 week interview. Yes. It's that, that's yes. where you, that's where you, that's where you learn, you know, don't be afraid to crash, burn yep. and learn, you know? And he said, well, why do you want me to do something on the first day? I said, because if you do the first day and you screw it up, well, when you get to next year and you're by yourself in your first year teaching, you've already screwed it up. You, you'll hit the ground running <laughs> when you get to actual year one. So he appreciated that. Yeah, it is interesting that teaching is one of the you know, few practicum required um professions that doesn't require i think a long enough practicum right uh and it's it's unfortunate how that happens um it's also unfortunate well, that student teachers don't get paid also unfortunate that uh yeah. that's a whole other know, podcast so, mike <laughs> yeah it's a whole well, well let me hit on one point that you said i I, th I think one semester could be good but i again what i did with my student teacher you can't wait until you're three or four weeks in to then actually like start doing something sure. where you spend yeah. the first month, you know, watching at that point, you should be ready. You've done observations. You spent time in schools and classrooms. Hopefully, you know, you, you know, substitute taught and you've got some sense of what it means to be in front of kids in a classroom or on the side of them or behind them. I, I don't really have a front of my classroom, but you need to be able to do that. And I think what should be added to teacher training is more, you know, technology. Go figure, right? I thought you might say <laughs> that. So, Chris, um, as a tech guru, and why we have you here after all, um, what do you think school is going to look like in the fall? What shifts do you think are going to happen? 
what is necessary this summer to continue to think about. Um, what do teachers need to learn and do? What's the adaptation we need to make? What do you think? All right, to your first question, what is school gonna look like in fall 2020? I have no freaking clue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Join the club. <laughs> we just thought we'd try, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, 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 fishing for answers. Well, we've, we've all been asked that about a thousand times a day. We don't know. <laughs> but I can answer all your other questions. So how do you prepare for having no idea what's gonna happen? Let's go back to something we talked about before, growth mindset. You gotta be open-minded. When schools in many places stopped in the middle of March, many teachers across this country and across the world were forced with the, like the flip of a switch to do things they weren't comfortable doing. Now, some of us, no problem, love technology, have used it. Now we're just doing it at home, no problem. But for everybody else, now you've got that experience. So between the end of this current school year and your next school year, you should really be doing what you should always do. And that's try to grow a little bit from year to year. It's just that now this year, people should be focusing on best practices for remote learning, distance learning, virtual teaching, you know, what tools are out there to provide, you know, relevant, engaging experiences for your students. Now, your one of your next questions might be, oh, well, what tools do you recommend? I don't care what tool you use but pick one and go learn it and make it valuable for your students. So. So what's, what's up for your summer, <laughs> for your plans? Are you, what's on uh, your to-do list? Personally, my to-do list is shrinking because normally I do a lot. I'm a big DIY guy. I do a lot of stuff around the house <laughs> and been knocking those things out the last couple months. I've been banging those <laughs> things out the last couple months. So when school is out, I will actually truly have nothing to do. So I might get into trouble, <laughs> uh, but, but in terms of learning, I mean, I, some education podcasts stop for the summer. I, I do not stop. And that's something that I'm proud of. I, I keep producing content through the summer. Uh, it might take a different form or a different shape or be a little lighter, but again, I, I love doing this. It's not work. I love recording, creating, editing, you know, doing the artwork and, you know, publishing and promoting and all those things. So I continue to do the podcast through the summer. Um, I would like to say that traditionally I would go to conferences over the summer, um, but I'll be looking for virtual summits, this, that, and the other thing to attend and participate in. And, you know, I'll, through exercise, I'll consume more podcast content by, you know, riding my bike and running and walking and, you know, just little things like that. Because again, as a podcast consumer, anytime, anywhere I can be learning, I can be entertained. So that's what the summer holds for Chris. Chris, I'm just thinking about the the network that you've created for education podcasts, but also I'm thinking about like the black hole that someone could fall into if they were hunting on, let's say, Apple Podcasts for a new podcast to listen to. And just thinking about our, our crowd um, audience is mostly educators where aside from your own podcasts what are your beacon podcasts what are the ones that you're like really listening to all the time and they could be from your network or they could be um from just you know somewhere in the internet ether well in in terms of education podcasts the ones that i really enjoy i i, I do consume all of the ones on the network just because i i need to you know listen to the stuff that's on the network <laughs> sure. um, but the <laughs> But the ones that I really enjoy from the network, uh, I really like Educational Duct Tape. 
with Jake Miller. Um, I do listen to my own podcast and podcast PD. Not only when I record it, I listen to it when I edit them. And then I quality control them. I listen in the car and I will, I listen to myself. Call me vain. I don't care. But I do learn from the podcast even after I've done it because sometimes when I'm creating them, I'm not listening with the same lens as my audience. So I do, I do create that experience for myself. Um, I also enjoy the shake up learning show. Um, what else? I'm actually, I'm going through my overcast right now, obviously Google teacher podcast, partial credit. I enjoy again, I produce that one, but th those guys do produce a humorous, entertaining and educational podcast. Um, and then a lot of the other stuff that I listen to is things that I learn from and what I call guilty pleasure podcasts. Uh, so some of the ones that I learn from, uh, I enjoy the 5 a.m. Miracle with Jeff Sanders. Uh, the Art of Manliness is something that not only I love, but also my podcast compadre, AJ Bianco. We're big fans of the Art of Manliness podcast. Uh, the Gary V Audio Experience. I'm consuming a lot of Gary V content here uh, in the last couple of months, so I, I love his stuff. Um, some podcasts about podcasting that I enjoy that are what I use to learn from. Uh, podcast Talent Coach. Uh, Ask the Podcast Coach. Uh, the Audacity to Podcast, uh, Podcasters Roundtable, so uh, the Podcaster Studio, um, and then some fun ones. Uh, I'm a big Yankee fan, so I listen to one called R2C2, and that's hosted by uh, CC Sabathia and Ryan Rucco. Um, Mobituaries with Mo Rocca from uh, CBS Sunday Morning. It's a great podcast. That, that scratches my history itch. Um, there's a YouTube channel I really enjoy called Evan and Caitlin. They do a lot of DIY projects and uh, they're makers and they have a podcast called Go Figure, the Evan and Caitlin podcast. Um, what else? 30 for 30. I'm a big sports guy, so I listen to the 30 for 30 podcast. Um, Tech Meme Ride Home, Throughline. I should just send you guys some screenshots of everything I listen to. <laughs> <laughs> How do you find the time to listen to all that yeah, stuff? Yeah, that's what I was just going to say. <laughs> I, I can make pancakes in the morning with the best of them, and I can have one earbud in and still give my children slightly undivided attention. And, and, and a lot of the work I do, I do at night. So if I'm not editing somebody else's podcast or my own, I sit here and I listen while I'm putzing around the internet in the evenings. So, oh, actually, one other one that I'm super excited. I haven't listened to it yet, but it's a, called A Bit of Optimism from Simon Sinek. And I'm a huge Simon fan because who doesn't want to do what Simon says? Chris, Chris, can I jump in here for a minute? You, uh, you mentioned that you also produce uh, podcasts. So you have your own podcast. You have the podcast network. What, what does it mean to produce a podcast? And, and how many of uh, different podcasts uh, do you also produce? So I, obviously I produce mine. I'm the editor for Podcast PD. And producing is not in the sense of like TV and radio. Um, it, it's the title I use to be a podcast editor. So I assemble the Google teacher podcast. So uh, Matt Miller and Casey Bell, they record their conversations and I'm the one who edits their episodes and publishes them, you know, to their website and I maintain their website. Um, I also do that for partial credit. And there's another one that I do, but it's not related to education. So it's just out there. So it's been able to afford me one, I get paid to do it. So that's nice. <laughs> and it, it's just allowed me to connect with podcasts in a different way. That's awesome. Sounds like a lot of work, but it also sounds like it's super rewarding as well. 
it, it is because you know when i mean you know who matt miller and casey bell are right yes of course you know we, we know shake up learning ditch that textbook all, all those things and when they came to, so i didn't like pitch my services to them they didn't like put the call out like hey we're interviewing podcast editors when they wanted to start their podcast they came to me because they consumed my podcast and they were like you do such a good job with yours we want you to produce ours and the same with you know partial credit and that's how i get the quote-unquote business is because i treat anybody else's podcast like i would my own because whether it's in their website or in their episodes they're saying my name and i'm not gonna put out crap for somebody else so super rewarding yeah absolutely so I want to transition into the the segment of our podcast where we talk about how this conversation is pushing us to rethink education. Co-hosts, what's kind of on your mind after chatting with Chris? Matt, you want to go first? Yeah, this this has been great. Um, it's it's helped me see a lot of different things, but the one thing that's sort of jumping out to me is uh, thinking about the network that you have and um, and the way you've set that up and and the importance of it to help each other. So it's not just like me taking, but it's me a part of something and I'm going to get, but I'm also going to give and there, and there's going to be that and it's going to be the, for the betterment of everyone. And, and I think that's really important. Um, you know, within education today, if we're trying to move forward, <clears throat> excuse me, trying to move forward and, and bring about a transformation, we're going to need a strong community. Yeah. I think um, for me, uh, listening to your podcast um, earlier today, Chris, I think that a theme as you've highlighted here would be having a growth mindset. Um, we expect it from our students, but having that for teachers too. Uh, so for me, I, I have equity on my mind um, for the summer for my, my own PD. Um, so I'm thinking about how can I apply that growth mindset to helping me grow and then helping my students in the fall become more compassionate and more aware. I guess I'm thinking about, um, it's kind of I'm tying this back into, I just had a conversation with my son the other day, trying to encourage him to like start a journal or like write over the summer, like get your thoughts down on paper, you know, like capture the moment, things that are happening and like listening to your podcast. And, and now that like, we've gotten involved with this too, um, it's made me realize that here we, like, we are capturing like moments of, in time. And, and just how you talked about how like we change, like, I'm sure we're going to go back and listen to our first podcast too, and, and have the same reaction as you had to yours. Um, but that, but that we're, we're, it's capturing the growth that we're making here. And I think that, um, you know, by hosting these podcasts that we've really, we're we're investing in our own professional development. I've learned more, you know, I've learned more talking to you in the past 30 minutes here, 30, 40 minutes than I have in a while, you know, like <laughs> if I was just not, not, not doing this, you know what I mean? Um, so those are just some things that I'm thinking about. Janine, can I give you one more nugget? Yeah, please. <laughs> I, I understand that writing is important and I, I love to, to write like, you know, signing baseballs and just, I like the art of writing, but have your son start a podcast. Yeah, I, that's exactly what I'm thinking. I think he would he would really take to this. And uh, yeah, I think I will give it a try. I saw you had an episode on, um, oh, what did you call it? The, I, my mind is not blank. You have an episode that you talked about, like like working with your students on creating podcasts. Um, yes. But, uh, how old is your yeah. son? He is 10. Oh, that, my, my son is eight and he has a podcast. Oh, perfect. <laughs> and you've got the gear just put the microphone in front of his face. 
<laughs> and then when, he's, when he brings home that special somebody, you can <laughs> play for that person this wonderful podcast. It, it, it'll sound great. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Thank you. It'll be great at that. What's that dinner before the wedding? I can't. <laughs> the rehearsal dinner. Yeah, there you the go. The rehearsal dinner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, this conversation is making me remember the um, power of sharing stories with one another. You know, that so much of our um, connection as human beings is really between sharing individual experiences, sharing thoughts, keeping That's it all we do. Mind. That's life. Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. And you're keep sitting here on, on your podcast or, or whatever, and you're just sharing, um, sharing a story and you never know how that's going to connect with somebody out there in the world once you put it out there, but it really could, it really could resonate with someone. And, it, you know, <laughs> this conversation obviously has resonated with Janine because she's now going to encourage her 10 year old to start a podcast. <laughs> And I hope that he does. And I hope that, you know, we can make that happen and help him make that happen. But I'm thinking of all the people that could be out there listening to this podcast once it airs or any of our previous episodes and how the stories that we've shared with individuals like Ron Berger and uh, Kavon Turman and um, Joy and Bruce from PAMLE and all of our incubator uh, participants that came on and so graciously gave their time. And now here with Chris, um, how all of that can really have an impact on someone's thinking and someone's life in a really positive way. And, you know, especially in a time where lots of students or elderly folks or folks who might be immunocompromised are home um, and not able to interact with other people in their life as they once were able to pre-COVID-19, the power of the podcast is is really magnified, you know? And sharing those stories with other people and really connecting on that level, I can see that as just super powerful. I know that my um, intake of Pod Save America has certainly increased over uh, over the last couple months here. I've picked up a couple other podcasts, and I've often described some of those uh, listening experiences for me as the salve that has kind of helped me overcome some of the bleaker moments that I've had when struggling to, you know, unpack racism in America and unpack my COVID nineteen experiences at home and with my students. And similarly, I found our podcast to be to be acting in a uh, in a sort of salve like manner for how I think about education. You know, I get the I have the privilege of sitting down with this lot of co-hosts and amazing guests like yourself, Chris, and talking about what we can thinking what we can be thinking about differently in education. And, and actually, two points: one, your podcast is even in in its infancy. Your podcast, your conversations, you are becoming part of many people's routines. You know, they are starting to look forward to when is a new episode going to drop and you're becoming a part of their life. And the second point, more than the guests that you bring on, and so I'll, I'll, I'll kick myself here, more than the guests you bring on, your audience is connecting with you. Because you're sharing your perspective, your reflections, the things that you guys share as a group, your chemistry, that's what the audience is connecting with. I mean, with, with, with four people, you could never bring on a guest 
and you're going to grow and people will learn from you and your perspective. So thanks, Chris. We, we are super fun. There you go. <laughs> so any other thoughts about how this conversation is kind of encouraging you to rethink education? I love talking about this stuff. I mean, I'm 39 and pretty set in my ways, but always looking to learn and try new things. So I don't have a clear cut answer on how this will affect me. I just know that when given the opportunity to share, I do like to share and maybe what I think somebody else might learn from, whether it's students or teachers. Uh, so even hearing what you all have to say about what you think of podcasting, that helps to shape how I can share that with other people as I continue to want to have people try to do this or consider it. And, you know, as much as I even love podcasting, if, you know, say, say your son doesn't want to podcast and he loves to write, well, then encourage him to write a blog and, you know, explore what he's thinking and put it out there in a form that's comfortable for him. And, and that's really what any of this is, whether it's, you know, I have a face for radio, so I'm not produ producing a lot of YouTube videos. So, <laughs> you know, whatever platform you're comfortable with and expressing yourself, you know, dive in, go for it. That that's that, that's what I think. Awesome, awesome. Let's talk about some plugs. Who wants to share their plug first? I can go first. Um, my plug is really more of a tip. I was talking with an English teacher, and, and technology, of course, is on our mind with our conversation with Chris here. Um, I was talking with an English teacher, a fellow English teacher, earlier this week, who was struggling to give feedback with writing. You know, especially with the um, the distance learning. And a teacher I met probably about six years ago now, his name is Brian Kelly. He's a creative writing teacher and a creative writer. Um, he used a voice record pro um, or any voice recording uh, app or anything. Um, and then you can have your writing conferences. I just share my thoughts. Um, I go through the paper, I go through the writing, I give my feedback, and then the student can pause and make the corrections all on his or her own time, um, share document in their Google Drive, uh, so easy, and you can keep that connection and keep that feedback um, and that conversation going. Um, it, it can be asynchronous, um, and then it can be asynchronous with a writing conference as well, but if that's been difficult to schedule, um, I have found that that's been really helpful. Julie, I love that. You shared that with me um, a couple months ago, and I was able to share that with a bunch of uh, teachers as well. That's, that's great. Um, my, my plug is uh, go in, in the theme of uh, podcast. My plug is gosynth.com. It's basically um, Twitter meets Pinterest for podcasts. Uh, it's short bursts, um, and they form a larger story, and it, it's really easy to use. It's great. All right, I, I don't think I shared this one before, but maybe I did, but I was gonna go go kind of techie today and um, share edpuzzle.com. Um, Edpuzzle <laughs> is a great platform for where, for especially teaching online, um, that you can take videos, they could be YouTube videos, they could be videos that you end up uploading, and you can turn them into lessons where you're able to drop in questions where it will pause the video and students will respond, and then you get, um, you know, you, you'll get all the, this data that, you know, back to you on how students responded and if they comprehended or not. And, you know, you can ha hold discussions that way. Um, so edpuzzle.com is a great resource to use, especially now if you are teaching virtually. I'm going to keep with the theme of the show, which is podcasting. And because I'm the guest, I'm going to plug two things with podcasting. Number one, 
listener, listen up. Go tell somebody else about this podcast. When you're done listening, because if you stopped, you're not hearing it anyway. But once you're done with this episode, go tell somebody else about this very show. Because word of mouth is the best way to share podcast love and show appreciation for the work that's being put into this and any show. So that that's plug one. Go plug this show to somebody else. Number two, absolutely. Number two, uh, take the time and put some fuel in the tank of a, of a podcast you listen to. Could be this one. If you listen to mine, go for it. Uh, send the podcaster or podcasters an email. We thrive on feedback and engagement because many times, you know, again, I'm 150 plus episodes in, you guys are 10 or so episodes in, and sometimes it feels like, am I just yelling into a hole and is anybody listening? Is anybody out there? So reach out to a podcast that you listen to and just let them know what value you've gotten or just say hi or just make that connection because it will put fuel in the tank of that content creator. Just for the record, we've not yet received any emails from any listeners, so we would love to receive an email from a listener out there for Chris's request, of course. Um, I guess I've got the last plug. I've been thinking a lot recently just reflecting on um, the current state of how America is grappling with uh, race and racism. And I've been thinking a lot about how I can uh, take some proactive actions to kind of check my own privilege and, um, you know, use my resources to support um, to support individuals or organizations in any way that I can. So I'm going to plug uh, BlackOwnedPhillyRestaurants.com. All one word. That's BlackOwnedPhillyRestaurants.com. It is a list that is... Uh, in map version of all local black owned restaurants in the greater Philadelphia and the sort of Camden, Cherry Hill, New Jersey area. Um, it's really great. They've been updating the, the uh, map every day, um, at least twice a day. And check it out. It's, it's pretty awesome. Listen, Chris, it's been a real pleasure having you on here. I know we appreciate you joining us and we appreciate you sharing your, your knowledge of podcasts as well as your, uh, you know, love of the medium of podcasts. Um, so, so thank you. Uh, we also want to thank everybody who listened to this episode. You know, we always appreciate your listenership. If you can head on over to iTunes, leave us a quick review, send us an email, you know, catch us, uh, on Google podcasts or Spotify, share that list with your friends. You know, we would appreciate it. And thanks for listening.